Show. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am here uh, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Trey Hill. Uh, it's been a hot minute since we spoke. Let me say, Trey, it's been a hot minute for a number of reasons. Uh, life mostly is, is uh, kind of the reason I'll give here, but uh, whole family, wife and both kids caught RSV. It's been going around, man. It's been just crushing people left and right across the United States. So if you guys are suffering from that out there, I feel for you. Uh, my wife has, like, chronic bronchitis too so she's just been like dead for the last week so uh, it's been me and two sick kids uh you know kind of holding it down and so uh, i'm sorry that i wasn't able to get with you trade but uh, i'm happy to talk with you now about the bulls and uh this just crummy season so how have you been let me let me start with that <laughs> well like you said it's been a crummy bull season um not much more to say other than that 9 14 after a loss to the kings tonight yeah. Bulls falling behind 18 after a lackluster defensive performance in mm-hmm. the first half let, led them down that road. It, that's been the theme this year is a, a lack of defensive effort, a lack of defensive focus, um, poor rotations, bad timing, just a mess on that end ever since the first few games of the season where it seemed like we were ranked high and a lot of a lot of the media was running with the, oh, look at the Bulls being top 10 in defense right now. But it, a lot of it seemed like it was smoke and mirrors. It didn't seem like they were playing good defense. I don't think at all this this year, and it's mm-hmm. just continued to bite them. I'll say you were probably right about that because I think I was, you know, on the bandwagon through the first couple of weeks of, you know, this team's actually d- decent defensively. But yeah, um, I have to see that point for sure because they, they are just absolutely dreadful on defense. There's probably no other team. I mean, I'm a fan of this team, obviously, so there's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a. a a pinch of salt with this uh, comment here, but probably the most frustrating team for me to watch on defense. And I watch a lot of Kings basketball and a lot of Pacers basketball and a lot of Houston Rockets basketball. And uh, still, like, I just feel like, because you, you think that this team, you know, they have the Patrick Williams and the team, they have Alex Caruso, who's starting now, um, you know, Javante Green. They've got these guys that are athletic guys that you would think would have the ability to go out there and, you know, maybe not make a stop. I mean, there's not like an individual great defender on the team. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that about anybody. But as a team, they have the athleticism to put up a, a decent effort. They should be an average defensive team. So, is it a lack of effort? I mean, what what do you think it is with this Bulls team on the defensive side? I I don't. I mean, you almost have to you almost have to say it's effort because you go back and you watch the game tonight. How did the Bulls get back in this? Did, did were you able to watch the game tonight? Yeah, I watched most of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so in the third quarter, it was the defensive effort the defense, getting yeah. ramped up. When they like play the defense, defense, they can. Yeah, I, I would have to guess. I mean, when they play good and defense, like what was yeah. the what was the difference in the defense from the first half to the second half? Like other than other than the effort being ramped up, that was the only thing I saw that was different. And um, Patrick Williams, he's, I think he's. I think he is a. I think he is a good defender. I think he is a, a better defender than people think. But like tonight, I was watching a play, and it was designed for him to have his guy drive with his offhand, and help was supposed to come. You know, someone's supposed to to come in on on the elbow right there, force the guy to pick up his dribble or hesitate, let Patrick recover. But the, uh, and no one came, and the guy just got a. I think I think he ended up getting a layup or a dunk. It might have even been an and one, all because the the help was a step slow. Yeah. And that just seems to be the theme with the Bulls when the yeah. shot's not falling, or even when the shot is falling, they get into these lull, these defensive lulls every game. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's not uh, it's not on ball defense. I mean, I think, you know, again, the athleticism is there. But like you said, the rotations being a step too slow, just the communication on the defensive end is what the real issue is. You know, there's no there's no cohesion. It, nobody uh, nobody's on the same page. And like you, I know you've seen or you may have seen or seen on Twitter people commenting about Bush has started to really kind of display some frustration with some of his teammates when he goes to, you know, maybe help off of his guy and someone doesn't rotate over and they give up an easy bucket on, underneath the, you know, by the basket. Like there's been some visible frustration with Booch and it's been not just him. I mean, there's been visible frustration too. I've, I've watched, you know, Zach Levine and I've watched DeMar chirp at other people. Um, you know, it's, it's just, there's no, there's no cohesion. And I, you know, so, so there's, so let's just, there's a lot of blame, right? There's a lot of blame going back and forth in Bulls Nation. You know, who do we blame? People are saying Zach Levine, you know, he's not performing. And, and that's true. He was not very good to start the season. I think he's really come out as of late, uh, starting to look like his old self. But, you know, if you were to place the blame, I mean, is it Billy Donovan? Is it the coaching staff? Is it DeMar not playing help defense? Is it, I mean, is, is it just a little bit of everything? Like what, what, what's the biggest factor for the Bulls being underperforming so far this season? Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. They have the hardest strength of schedule so far. Mm. Yeah, I think it was. I, I think that I think that's the biggest thing, and that, that was true as of a couple of days ago. I'm not sure yeah. if it still is, but given the fact that, again, that was I think four days ago, I saw that they played Golden State and a Sacramento team that's on the rise. So yeah. if they're not still the the hardest schedule, it's one of. And yeah, being laid on defensive rotations, um, not being able to just. I think that's the biggest thing on the court is. The offense, it comes and goes, but if they could get some defensive stops and get out running, get in transition, that's how the Bulls are effective. They don't have a great ha- a great creation in the half court. That's all yeah. in, in transition for them. So when they're not getting stops, they're not getting out in transition, it's just a lot of slow iso ball with Zach or ISO, ISO-oriented, heliocentric type play. And that's just not successful with this Bulls team. Let me go. Um, actually, you know, since you're speaking of that, that just made me think of the Golden State game. I thought the Golden State game, and so what I'm trying to get at, you know, a lot of people are blaming Billy Donovan, and I think, you know, I was one. I'm one of the guys that's been vocal on the show, obviously, of saying, you know, there are some things I wish Billy did better. Um, you know, I still think he's pretty average. I, I'm not blaming him for the Bulls' slow start. I just let me just put that out there and just say that, you know, point blank. I don't think you can put this on Billy Donovan. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think there's way more problems than just the the guy that's coaching the basketball team. But um, what I loved to see out of the Bulls for, and you know give Billy Donovan props for this is their game plan against the Warriors was actually to slow the 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 game down and play through Vooch, which I thought was brilliant. I thought they really played that well. Um, you know, I give them for an execution. I'd maybe give them a C like it was like average execution, but the game plan was an A like, that's the way that they're going to beat the the Golden State Warriors. Cause you know, as we've seen all across Twitter, 
you know, you follow these guys, Marquet and, and, uh, and Stephen Noe and, and all those guys, you know, the Bulls have a math problem. And the Bulls just don't have the three-point shooting to hang with teams like like the Golden State Warriors uh, or many basketball teams. A lot of basketball teams have way more three-point shooting than we have. So I think that's – and I'm not saying they should do that every single game. But in a game against, like, the Warriors where they have a clear advantage in the center position, I think that was the right play for them. The Bulls don't have offense that creates three-point opportunities is the issue. Unless it's – again, unless it's getting out in transition because when you have DeMar and you have Zach – Guys are just a step away on the help, and they recover. They close out, they recover, and it forces Patrick Williams, it forces Io to put the ball, Caruso to put the ball on the floor, and then to create. So the Bulls need to do a better job, I think, of creating those three-point shots. And part of that is getting the ball to Vooch and letting him be the offensive hub. But you mentioned Billy Donovan, people blaming him earlier. So so here's my question for you. Mm-hmm. We... We again, we watched the game. We just watched this. We mm-hmm. saw the defensive effort was the catalyst for this. Like that was the reason the Bulls lost this game. You have Billy. He he benched Zach the mm-hmm. uh, the one night Zach was playing bad, and Zach came out with some comments about you know mm-hmm. had a comment about it. Right. Uh, they changed the they changed the starting lineup, mm-hmm. and Zach has some comments about that. Do you think Billy Donovan is having to walk a tightrope of I don't know how much I can punish these guys when they're not putting in the effort on the defensive end because I don't know if they're going to break and start, you know, start spouting off in the media. Start is is that? Do you think that's a tight he has to walk because? Yeah. Like if the defense if the defensive effort isn't there, why is it? Why doesn't he just bench the guys? I know that's the goal with Patrick Williams and Javante Green, but it's not just Patrick. Like Patrick Williams, I don't think is the guy not putting in the effort a lot on the defensive end. I think it's Demar Derozan. I think it's Zach Levine. I think it's our star guys yeah. that aren't coming through on that end. But can Billy hold them accountable for that? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about culture, so yeah, I think um, to answer your question, I think that every coach in the NBA nowadays walks out that tightrope, and um, you know, I don't think there's a lot of tools. I've said this, uh, you know, at least a, at least several times on the podcast I've done with you, this one and, and the betting one we did before. But I think, you know, it's hard for a coach to pull, pull – the coach has limited levers they can pull. There's only so many levers they can pull with a basketball team because players have a lot of power, as, as you're saying, basically. You know, uh, and we're seeing it with Atlanta, right? Maybe Millen was like a godsend for that team, and then all of a sudden now Trey Young's upset with him, and now, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to get rid of Trey Young? Of course not. They're going to get rid of Dave Ignore if they have to, right, if it comes down to that. I mean, they'll probably work it out. That's that's just how it goes. But, you know, if it came down to me or him, nine times out of ten, it's it's the coach, right, getting getting gone. So I think every coach walks that tightrope. But I think you, you hit on a good point there where, you know, you're talking about a team's culture. It's In, in today's NBA, it is a trickle-down thing. It's, it's the guys at the top that set the tone for everybody else on the roster. And, yeah, I have not been impressed at all with DeMar Rosen this season or Zach Levine. Uh, you know, we'll get a little bit more into Zach because I think Zach's been you know, turning, turning a corner here. But the comments are something to, to be worried about, I think, because even if Zach does turn a corner on offense, I think his defense is always going to be suspect. And if he's not buying in and giving that effort like you do with Team USA, I don't think there's any chance the Bulls are a serious contending team. Right. And he is Zach is coming back from injury. There, so there is that. But to me, like you said, the comments are concerning because – if DeMar and Zach and or Zach are having a stretch where they're they're not giving the defensive effort they need to be able to give, I think Billy Donovan needs to be able to have the leeway to yank them 
for for a little bit and after the game have them just be like yeah i i needed to do better on the defensive end i sat down took a breather and i got back out there and got after it rather than having a, you know it becoming a thing so as much as continuity was preached with this team it seems like when they face adversity it's a lot more me oriented well i'm trying to think of a Which specific is, yeah i'm trying to think of a oh, specific example but but um, I mean, we have seen stars in the past be benched because like it just simply for matchup reasons or whatever, it just simply has to happen for them for for the team to win basketball games. And, you know, they've they've reacted with way more class than what Zach Levine did. And, I, you know, it, it's hard for me to sit here and say, like, oh, just suck up and be a company man or, you know, whatever. The organization's bigger than you. It's easy. It's easy for people to say that kind of thing. But like I get that he has feelings and that like I think what where, where I'm disappointed is the fact that. He doesn't need to air that in public, right? He can air that in private. He can air that in team meetings. Um, I would love to see the Bulls have a team meeting. I think it's going to happen probably in the next few days uh, where, you know, we really just kind of air this stuff out because, I mean, there's – like you said, it's it's been disappointing from a defensive perspective from, from Zach and from DeMar. I feel like Vooch gets a lot of flack. Like I've been talking to one of my best friends. He's been like just constantly at Vooch for years now. And he still wants to blame Booch for this. And I think Booch has had an incredible season. I think he's played very, very well this season. I have no problems with Booch this season. Um, but he's the one that's pointing out these defensive flaws in others. He's the, he's the one barking at Zach and Demar and Io for missing defensive assignments and, and not you know not rotating quickly enough. So um, I think it's you know I think it's something you have to air out internally. And I hate to say that. I hate, maybe that makes me sound like I don't know. What are your thoughts? Go ahead. I just I want to see them get I want to see the team be on the same page when right. when Zach ends up on the bench for the final possessions and they ask him about it he can just uh, if it is because the bull the other Bulls players were rolling they were successful it wasn't like yeah. there was an obvious person to pull so it's very easy to say yeah I'm coming back from injury my guys they they were out there they were playing well so yeah. the, the coach wanted to run with the hot hand and, and yeah. I support my team I'm I'm happy with my team or right. You know, when, when he, you know, when something comes up, just be able, if, if just be a united front type mm-hmm. situation. Whereas if there are cracks in the armor that the media has the chance to poke at, don't give them, don't give them any ammo. Well, then it's like, if I'm the guy out on the floor, I'm the bench player, right? And I'm going off and playing the, playing my heart out, getting us back in this game. And then you say something like that. Obviously you're, you're, you know, intimating you're, you're hinting that you should be in the game over somebody else is it me should you be in the game over me do you think you're that much better than me um and that's just not a good thing for any kind of team chemistry so it was disappointing to see that reaction there um you know i do understand that he's a person and you know maybe the day just got the better of him but now we've seen you know a couple comments from zach and it's just it just it's not going in a direction that makes me confident that the Bulls are going to be able to figure this thing out. Um, you did mention their strength of schedule. Hey, let's be let's be positive about Zach for a second. He had no, a great yeah. game He's tonight. He, yes. he had 41 tonight. The Bulls almost came back. The, the schedule, like you were getting ready to say, the schedule's getting ready to lighten up a little bit. Second um, worst like, uh, strength of or second hardest strength of schedule, adjusted strength of schedule, as of like three or four right, I've, got, here, I've got so. the schedule up in front of me. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Yeah. 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 Um, home against Washington. That's a, that's a good game. Home against yeah. Dallas. Dallas is playing like crap. At Atlanta, will Trey Young even show up? Right. Two games against New York, both at home. At Minnesota, that's winnable. At Miami, that's winnable. At Atlanta, that's winnable. At New York, uh, home for Houston, 
boom. Then you get Milwaukee, but then you get Detroit. There, there are a lot of games where the Bulls can easily get back to 500 here. Yeah. And then we're singing a completely different tune. And I know we were really harsh on Zach there for a minute. And right. it is the comments. It is the defensive effort. But I, I've believed in Zach as a guy who can be a number one guy on – on a really, really good team, a fringe title contending team, especially if he buys in on the defensive end. If he can get back healthy, he ha- this is going to be a great stretch where this Bulls team can turn it around, even without right before Lon- you know, before Lonzo can get back. But yeah, that's this is the stretch for the Bulls, and if they if they can't get a, a good nice momentum swelling winning streak with those games I just listed off somewhere in there. Yeah. We'll talk about it. It's that. looking real bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's, we'll talk about that. Let's talk about that in a minute here, but I do want to talk about Zach though. I do want to put my two cents in here. Um, what really turned me around on him and it was like, I think it was three games ago. Um, i trying to look at their schedule now, but it was a game where he specifically, um, he was in foul trouble. I think it was two games ago, actually he was in foul trouble. Uh, and he was, st- but, he, but the way he was playing was just different from what we had seen the rest of the season. He was like, not afraid to take contact. Um, I think it was golden state. I think he had five fouls in that game. Or no, I'm sorry. I think it was Phoenix. I think he had five fouls in that game and didn't play a whole lot, but he was not, he was not afraid to take contact. It looked like he was just like, has had, you know, confidence in his body at that point. And we saw it tonight too. You know, he was like running into people and uh, you know, not settling for the jumper nine times out of 10, which is what he was doing earlier in the season, which was taking me off. Cause he needs to be a three level scorer to be that star that we're talking about. You know, a lot of guys in the league can hit a fadeaway jumper and hit threes and, you know, be okay, you know, score 20 a game and that's fine. But what makes him unique and makes him a, you know, a true threat on the offensive end is that, you know, if you do, happened to jump out on his jumper he can blow past you and dunk the basketball on someone's head and get a foul and get to the line and get a three-point play that way and um i'm confident he can do that now in the last like three four games we've seen that that out of zach levine and i'm excited because you know that's the zach levine of two years ago that we've been missing and you know there's a lot of talk out there and i do want to get your opinion on this trey a lot of talk that you know my brother uh brother brandon tried to get him on the show it's a little uh little little difficult for him i got some some thoughts i want from him but uh, but he's talking to me about, you know, he's, he's not a max player. We're giving him too much money. And that's that's a common sentiment among Bulls fans. And so I want to get your you know take on that. Is that, I mean, if he plays like he did tonight in the last three or four games, we still agree he's a max player, right? Yeah, especially tonight when the defensive effort got ramped up. It was the Golden State game where he had five fouls. Um, so mm-hmm. that was just the last game. But mm-hmm. Like you said, these last two games, it feels like he's starting to get some of that bounce back. He's getting that uh, where, you know, when he's when he's dribbling around and, and his step back, he's getting that, that little hop back in his step. So, so I'm confident that he's going to come back and he's going to be able to ramp up. Uh, again, he's a max player because if he's a, if he was a free agent, someone was going to, to give him max money. Uh, if we if we wanted to trade him right now on that max contract, we're getting positive value for Zach Levine. It's he is a max player because that's what the market dictates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think someone would have given it to him if we didn't. Obviously, um, I would rather keep Zach Levine. Um, you know, a lot of people. So so we'll we'll talk about that. I think I think we should talk about that though. So you know, let's say it does go south in over this next stretch of games. Let's say we go ten more games and we go four and six or something like that, right? And so now we're sitting on a what 13 and uh, whatever record, uh, 13 and 20 record, and we're halfway through the season essentially. 
I mean, the Bulls have to be sellers at that point, right? And I've been clamoring, like, if the Bulls are going to be sellers, they got to get it done while DeMar DeRozan's at his peak value. He has looked less than superhuman over the last stretch of, like, four or five games, which gives me a little bit of worry here. I think he will turn it around a little bit. His shot's just been – there's been no lift, and, and there's been – it's just been hitting the front of the rim, and I don't know what's going on. Maybe they just need to sit him for a few games, but he has not looked like himself. Any idea why that, why that's the case? He's getting old, and he has a lot of usage. Yeah. Hopefully now, Zach, getting healthy, he can come in and take some of the load off. But to me, the the blow-it-up conversation, and this isn't something any of us are privy to, is the Lonzo Ball question. Right now they're saying it's it's not looking promising, so probably February, best-case scenario. But what if he, what if Lonzo doesn't play at all this year, and you're going into next year hoping, and then by then it's been a you know two two years since he played. Yeah. To me, it, I, I think like you said, if if they start off that they go real slow here, and the the Lakers offer those two unprotected picks and mm-hmm. an expiring contract, mm-hmm. it, it's got it's going to be hard to not look at it very you know and yeah. and think. But LeBron's going to be gone. Anthony Davis is going to be at the tail end of his career. I know he's having a renaissance now, but that's yeah. that's five years, five and seven years away. Yeah, yeah, it's enticing. I I don't um, I don't dislike those trade offers I've seen out there. You know, Russell Westbrook and, and two unprotecteds for name your guy, you know, Demar Derozan, Zach Levine. Um, I don't. I mean, I I don't think he's moved. Zach. I think if you you can move Demar for that package, you do. I don't move, I don't know if you move Zach for that. That's that's not. Oh, you don't move Zach for that. That's yeah. that. Demar and Vucevic for for Westbrook and the two picks works in the in the trade machine. Yeah, that's and what that's you fine. call in, and that and, and that's fine. Again, that if you're gonna blow it up, I yeah. I'm I would be satisfied with that deal as the return. I I don't necessarily want to blow it yeah. up. I'm not in love with it, but yeah, I'd be satisfied. Yeah, go ahead. God, man, we're down beat. We are down bad, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's you know, you're not getting a lot back for that. But I mean, I think, I think looking back, I think we can say, you know, even as Bulls fans, even as people, even as like someone that I think, I've had my ups and downs with the Vooch, obviously. You know, you've you've been there for all of them. You know, he, I've had some points where I've been upset with him about certain things, and then I've had points where I've been like in awe of what he does on the offensive end. And I think he, I mean, I think he's a, a very good player. I think he's an elite player uh, at the center position. His ability to uh, make offense in the, in the short roll and the pick and pop, it's elite level. And there's no one that convinced me otherwise. But um, looking back in that trade, though, with the Orlando Magic, it's a loss. I mean, you know, this team could have Franz Wagner and, and Wendell Carter Jr. And, you know, there's no guarantees that Wendell Carter Jr. plays as well as he, as he does. There's no guarantees Franz Wagner is the same player in Chicago that he is in Orlando. But I still think. In my heart of hearts, I still think I prefer those pieces to to Vooch in this in this scenario. I don't know if we knew we were – I mean, obviously we got Vooch first and then we got DeMar later, so we didn't know we were going to have DeMar. But I think the, the pieces fit better for me when, if it when was When the Bulls Frost. traded for Vooch, they expected to be in the playoffs mm-hmm. with yeah, that and move. And then, right. <clears throat> and then games missed because of COVID and an injury. It, it just – not only did it not work out, but they fell all the way to the seventh pick, which was completely unexpected. Um, Wendell Carter Jr., I, the Bulls aren't built with a bunch of size. Wendell Carter Jr. didn't want to be a big. That was his thing here. He didn't want to play center. He didn't want to play next to Larry. He he has Palo. He has Bull Bull. He has Franz. He has all that size around him in Orlando. I don't think he would have thrived in Chicago. 
Maybe. So that that deal worst ca- turned out to be the worst case scenario for the Bulls, and I would I, you know, it sucks, but I still I get it, and I think I'd still do it <clears throat> because I think if you ran it back, it wouldn't happen that way again. Yeah. But for me, so Zach Zach's look, Zach's 27 years old. Prime from now to you know the next four or five years, the Bulls want to look to contend. This, if you trade Demar and Vooch for those Lakers picks, you don't necessarily have to wait for those Lakers picks. We know how enticing those picks are. Other teams are going to want those two. Other players are going to want out. You can always trade those picks to bring in somebody in two, three, four years down the line. Maybe Trey Young has it out with another coach in Atlanta and he's available to bring in. So, you know, in a year and a half, two years, there, there are options. So, if you see this going downhill and you have the chance to get those two unprotected picks that far down the line, I think you do it, if nothing else, just to reload the, the war chest from the disaster of that magic pick. I think what you do in this case, if I'm AK, if I'm the Bulls, is you, even if you end up going four and six in the next 10 games and, you know, things are looking south, you wait for, like you said, you said this exact same thing. I'm just putting it in different words. You wait for the next disgruntled star. And you don't move, you know, DeMar and Vooch for Russell Westbrook and two unprotected picks. That's an okay trade. But what you're looking for is you're looking for something better. And I think you can get something better. You know, I've seen my friend actually. Uh, is, it, is it disgruntled? Like, okay, so let's say a team is on a disgruntled, uh, a team has a disgruntled star. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that team, are they really going to want DeRozan and Vooch back for, say, a Bradley Beal? Or a Trey? I, I think they would rather have those unprotected Lakers picks. Mm-hmm. Well, that well maybe that maybe in that case then you do make that trade and you take those unprotected picks and then that's when you use those to go get you know the guy that that my friend mentioned that kind of had my ears perked up Trey and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this are Carl, is Carl Anthony Towns I mean obviously that Timberwolves team has been underwhelming so far the fit we all thought it was a bad fit so far it's not been great uh, you know if you can get somebody like that with those two unprotected picks and you know, maybe Patrick Williams and, and whatever, you know, some younger guys or something. I mean, you know, is that something you do? Oh, I mean, I love Cat. I would buy in on that one. Um, yeah, and in my head, I'm just trying to think, would they rather have DeMar DeRozan and and Vucevic there to play with Rudy along Probably with not. Anthony Probably Edwards? Not. Or would they rather have those Lakers picks way out in the future? Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking because they gave up, what, five picks in that trade? Four picks. Yeah, some, something outrageous. Three picks so. and two pick swaps or something like that. So it's like you know right. they're, they're they they need to reload the war chest as far as that goes. No, that so. right. So if that's why I say if the if if the Bulls season goes south and those two unprotected picks become available, mm-hmm. I think I would do the trade simply because I want the Bulls to have those picks on hand to trade in the future. You know, three, four years from now, those picks are going to have a lot more value than DeMar DeRozan or Vucevic. Yeah. And uh, just to talk about the Wolves a little bit more, I think it's been pretty evident to me so far, playing the props over here, that uh, without Carl Anthony Towns clogging up the middle with Rudy Gobert, that Anthony Edwards has been taking off, and that was pretty apparent to me that that would happen. But speaking of which, you guys should get that wager pass. You should also get the DFS pass. Uh, and the Fantasy Pass is part of our Ethos 360 Pass at sportsethos.com. Uh, all those things are wonderful. You get access to all of the pros, uh, and you get all of the wager picks. Obviously, you get all of the uh, games capping. You get the player props. You get uh, with the DFS Pass. You get our DFS plays, top value plays. You get our, our core builds, 
all that good stuff. It's over at Ethos 360. You should go sign up. Um, it's very cheap, and it's going to return your value for you if you're, you know, a person that wants to make money doing this. Yeah. So there you go. Easy, easy call of my opinion. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, uh, Anthony Edwards, he's he's pretty good, but hasn't looked so good this season. I think it's I think it's the middle thing. I think it's because Rudy Gobert's in now. Um, but anyways, moving on back to the Bulls. Uh, so let's talk about Patrick Williams. Obviously, we said, you know, and this is another thing I wanted to address with Brother Brian. I know you said you wanted to bring him on. Uh, he did say he wanted Patrick Williams to come off the bench, but I'm going to point out he wanted Patrick Williams to come off the bench to be a leading scorer off the bench, and that's not just – it's just not going to be what Patrick Williams is. And that was my 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 problem with that comment is that Patrick Williams cannot be a leading scorer. Uh, I think he's – well, let me ask you this. How have you felt about his move to the bench so far? Uh, obviously, he played in the starting lap tonight, so – We've only got basically a one-game sample size, but was it something that needed to happen? Is it something you like? Sure. <laughs> um, especially with Zach being healthy again, I, I definitely understand wanting to infuse some energy, bringing in Javante Green and Caruso. For me, I'm I'm still on the Patrick Williams has to be a player if the Bulls are going to do anything in the playoffs. So I, I prefer to start him. I would have just started Caruso and still had Patrick Williams start like we had tonight. Yeah. But like Patrick Williams said, he was kind of expecting it. I, I've i been kind of expecting it because this team is just so lifeless on, on mm-hmm. that end. And Javante Green, just like he brings some, you know, energy is something that he brings and it's just something the Bulls have needed. So hopefully he can come back and continue to do that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Patrick has been playing well recently. Uh, I would say the last, I don't know, month. I mean, he's had his ups and downs, but it's been better, obviously, than the first month or so of the season. And, you know, I, I don't I don't really particularly care if he's coming off the bench or starting. I think as long as he's getting, you know, around 20, 25 minutes, I'm cool with it wherever he plays. He's kind of playing the same role either way, because like I said, he's not going to be a, like he's not a guy that he, he's not going to be a six man. He's not going to be a guy that you bring him off the bench now. Oh man, I've got Patrick Williams off my bench, so now I've got a, a scoring punch there. He's going to be doing the same things, and you know, I think one thing he's been doing a lot better recently that he needs to continue to get better at is uh, you know finding some value off the basketball. Um, being able to work the offensive boards. And I hope he's taking notes from Javante Green because I, I love the Javante Green. I mean, you know, you know me. I've been a Javante Green fan for as long as he's been on the team. But his activity on the offensive boards, I think, has been – I think it's a good thing. I, I think I like – Yeah, that's being, something so. he has been yeah. – that's definitely something that he's made a point to to do yeah. is crash the offensive boards. And, I, I again, I, I like the development. From Patrick Williams, he's played 22. He's played 22 games this year. All he's played every game this year, yeah. which has been really nice That's to see. That's right there. Yeah. <laughs> he, right. He he's playing. He's getting a, a better feel for the game, and every game I feel like he's getting better. Even even tonight, he had a crucial turnover at the end of the fourth. When <clears throat> the reason he had the turnover, he was aggressive early in the play clock. The ball came back to him, and he saw that he was going to have the chance to be aggressive and like a, like a wide receiver taking his eye off the ball. Yeah. Um, saw that, yeah. He, he went to drive before he got the ball, but he was ready to be aggressive. He was ready to attack. And uh, the, the closest the bulls got it was after uh, an and one by Patrick Williams there in the fourth quarter, whenever he took somebody off the dribble and attacked the rim, he, 
he is developing. It's just it's not going as quick as some people might like, but yeah. I do see it happening. And like you said, as long as he continues to play, I almost like I almost like him coming off the bench because mm-hmm. then he's he can be the second option because he does seem to defer more when both Demar and Zach are on the floor. Yeah, and he said so himself. He's got his comments out there saying the same thing. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think you're right though. I think the aggression on the offensive end is something that has been a development that I'd like to see. Um, you know, again, do I think he's going to be, you know, a guy that scores 20, 25 points a night? I don't think it's ever going to be Patrick Williams. I think he's a guy that scores 10 or 15, but hopefully grabs you seven or eight boards and hopefully plays really good defense. And I think that's kind of the ceiling for him for me. And and that's okay. Like you can still be a very good player like that. Like I look at guys like, like an Aaron Gordon, right. Who is a very key piece on that uh, Denver Nuggets team. He's a very good player. He's just not. You know, he played for years in Orlando as the star and just wasn't that guy. And that's okay. But you can still be a very good and a very effective, uh, you know, NBA player. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, another guy I'll point out, right, um, really took off with, with Golden State. So if you find yourself in the right position, like, that's the kind of, like, ceiling I'm looking at right now with Patrick Williams. And when when the defense is humming for the Bulls, that's – and it's hum, when it's humming, Patrick Williams' role is off-ball help kind of pay, a paint deterrent and you see him coming for off ball blocks, blocking guys from behind, challenging shots, forcing, forcing guys to pick up their dribble. I think he can be a really valuable key cog in a def- in a well-run defense, because if it is being aggressive, if they funnel the defense towards or the offense towards Patrick Williams, he swallows guys up yeah. whenever he has the chance. Yeah, he is athletic as heck. So uh, I do want to see more of that. Uh, I'm not down. And, I'm not down and out on Patrick Williams. I think if you can move him, and and another piece maybe for another piece that fits alongside what we have now, I think I'd be into it honestly. Um, but I would still be okay if they kept Patrick Williams and and continue to develop him because I do still think he's going to be a pretty good player in the NBA. Um, so let's talk Io. Uh, that's kind of the the last bit of a uh, piece of the agenda here. Io Dosumu, um bit of a demotion but you know i like i said to start the season you know he was having a good a good season in the first couple weeks and i was still saying i don't think he's a point guard he is a shooting guard slash small forward he's a guy that's going to go out there give you effort on both ends of the floor um probably he's probably like like a tony allen type right like he's a shooting guard um he can shoot the ball pretty well gives you effort um smart player uh knows the game good leadership skills like I think, you know, if he wanted to emulate somebody, like, I'd look at the grandfather. I'd look at Tony Allen because uh, he had a very long career, a very successful career. Uh, I think that's kind of, like, what I look for for Io. And, I like, I don't mind that he's not starting now and Caruso starting. I still don't think Caruso is a point guard either. I, I'm really surprised that Goran Dragic isn't starting. Goran Dragic has played very well for us this season. I know he's older and can't really play a whole lot of minutes. But I would like to see him in the starting unit. What, how do you feel about that? Oh, I just think he's too old for that. I don't mm-hmm. want to see him getting crushed by the, the athletic point guards of today. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, I can imagine him trying to guard John Moran. That would be pretty bad. <laughs> so with Io, I think Io is the guy you can point to and have the the biggest disappointment for Billy Donovan. And he's not a pure point guard, but when you, when you watch the Bulls and they, they space the floor – you hear so much about you heard so much about Patrick Williams needs to cut. Patrick Williams needs to stop standing off ball. Well, Billy Donovan, when when you have two guys running a pick and roll on one side of the court, instead of having your other three guys just standing there to space it, 
why does it, you need to have those guys setting screens for each other so you have those defenders moving your your instead of them being able to focus and on their help you know uh, being able to time okay this is when I need to dive down in on the double or I need to dive in on the on the drive if their guys are having actions on that side it, it distracts them and I don't think I don't think IO is being put in was being put in positions to succeed when he's at his best he's driving he's attacking the rim but other than the the chemistry we we saw a little bit with Vooch which I don't even see that anymore I don't I just I don't recall seeing lots of plays run lots of things run where Io was put in a a position to succeed as the playmaker so here's a question for you so so the Bulls have a uh three-point problem I think everyone can agree with that we don't have a lot of three-point shooters could you name off the top of your head the top and this is totals the top three players in three-pointers made this season so far for the Bulls, I will say um, Patrick Williams, Zach Levine, and um, Vooch. You are ding, ding, ding. You are correct. Uh, Vooch has been incredible. Was, was I in the right order, though? Was I in the no, right order? No, you were not. So, so Zach Levine's first. He's got 51 three-pointers made uh, at 35%, which is not great. Uh, not even his best. Um, he hasn't had a particularly good season so far shooting the ball, but that's okay. He's going to probably uh, – normalized there and be a little bit better Vooch though uh 34 of 100 at 34 percent that's pretty good for Vooch that's a good season from three-point line so far for Vucevic uh Patrick Williams though like you said yeah I, that's the one that kind of surprised me um but yeah 28 three-pointers made 66 attempts for, at 42.4 percent that's really good that's pretty darn good so uh you know that's really promising there I was happy to see it actually right behind him though is also another bit of a surprise for me yeah, maybe not because I watch enough of the Bulls, but Goran Dragic is there, uh, 25 of 59 at 42.4%. I don't think he's going to stay there. Uh, he's not historically a great three-point shooter. If, if he would have been in there, I would I would have been guessing forever. Yeah, he's, uh, but he is fourth. I mean, he's only three behind Patrick, so he's close. He's very close. Uh, Io's behind him. Caruso behind him, tied with Kobe White. You know, um, let me talk about that, actually. Let's, let's hit on Kobe White because I am happy to see Kobe White back, even tonight, even though we lost this game. I think his shooting has been something that uh, has been really missing from the Bulls. And, you know, I think absence makes the heart grow fonder. I was very down and out in Kobe. I think everybody that's a Bulls fan was. But having him back makes me realize just how much uh, his offense is important to the Chicago Bulls. Right, Trey? On a team that lacks three-point shooting, like you said, Kobe's the only one other than Zach who creates their own. Yeah. We. I think we we looked at Io, we looked at Caruso, and we were like, "What Kobe can come in and give offense?" But we were just looking at points per game, and we weren't really thinking about the type of offense that they provide. Kobe can come in and be a one-man show. He can be the guy who sparks a very pedestrian um, half-court game that the Bulls often have. So, I I think his stock is only rising when he comes in. Um, I'm I'm happy about it. He the effort he gives on defense has been consistent. I think I think he know he he saw, you know he was the starter. He was the guy, and then he was the forgotten man. And I think when he's out there, he's no longer the forgotten man. I I'm so so pleased with how he's played. He has played very well. I will say that much. And uh, like you said, I hope you know his stock is only rising. Um, I think 
the Bulls have to make a decision on him, or had they, has that already passed? I think he's just an unrestricted free agent this, this offseason. Is that correct? Yeah, he's just yeah he's just an unrestricted free agent. So it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, the Bulls obviously still have him on the roster, so uh, I would have to guess that you know if he has any kind of value, they do try to move him by the deadline because I don't think they have interest in re-signing him. Um, you know. I do think he brings something valuable to this basketball team, but at the same time, I think it depends on where the team sits at that point in time, right? If this team is actually competitive, maybe they do hang on to him and maybe they do try to resign him in the offseason. But if this if this team is struggling and they're you know 500 or 47 percent or 45 percent or something like that, then they probably try to trade him, right? As long as they don't let him go for nothing, that's the only thing that will upset me. I. I think yeah. he's going to play his way into being valuable enough to keep on the Bulls because they need that offensive spark, and yeah. they simply don't have that other than him, especially coming off the bench. But if I, I trust an AK, if they end up trading him, I'm okay with that. But if they let him go for nothing, that's purely for financial reasons. That's purely because the owners are greedy assholes, and <laughs> that will be the huge. That will be the the biggest red flag for Bulls fans to continue, like to go back to not caring about this team because we were there with the the Garpax era. We lost the faith in this ownership group, and they they won us back a little bit. But if they're going to give up assets for nothing, because you can sign Kobe White, trade him in the season, and get under that luxury tax. You don't have it's it doesn't make you a luxury tax team. But if you don't sign him, you give up that asset. So that's really what I'm watching for when it comes to Kobe White. So the reason we were upset with uh, – that I was upset with them was that they wouldn't sign uh, Isaiah Hartenstein or Mo Bamba. Do you think having them over uh, Andre Drummond changes anything for this Bulls team so far this season? No. I oh, think I think we <laughs> underestimated um, Drogic's, uh mm-hmm. chemistry with Drummond from playing uh, together in Brooklyn. I think they've been really great together as a second duo. And uh, I I think that was just something we overlooked. And there was something I did see Mark, you know, mentioned on Twitter earlier, and I did agree with it, that uh, Drummond is kind of like one of those guys, Billy Donovan watches him play for the first, uh, like, you know, five minutes he's in there. And there's games where he's just not engaged or he's just, out there making a negative impact, which is something I don't like about Drummond. That's what I was trying to tell, you know, I know you, you did a podcast just before this with uh, Stephen Bagel uh, of the Birds Right podcast. So everyone should go check that out. Go listen to it. I'm sure it's great. Uh, but I know he was on uh, with us, again, or maybe we, we were on his show, and we are talking about Andrew Drummond. And, uh, you know, I just wasn't that excited about it because I feel like Andrew Drummond does check out or just has games where he has – mental lapses and then it gets in his feelings and then it gets in his way of being able to play good basketball. I think we've seen that over the last like stretch of two or three week games, but the first, you know, three or four weeks was, were really good. He was really good for us. I think he has that ability, but he's also inconsistent because I, I don't know, maybe he's emotional or maybe he just, I, I think he, he makes mental mistakes and then he compounds those by getting emotional about it. That and teams have adjusted. They've seen, Oh, this is something that we have to pay attention to. Drummond is better so that, you know, they pay a little more attention to him, I think. So and Billy Billy hasn't hesitated to go with small ball fives, which you know I know you love Derek Jones Jr. out there uh, when Andre Drummond is not having a good game, and I think that's uh, another little feather in Billy's cap. It, it is, and that's you know you know how much I love the small ball fives, but I I don't want Drummond to struggle either, and. Mm. 
I hope they can get back to finding ways for him to be effective because it is good to have someone that massive out there because he is in a league that seems to be getting smaller and thinner or at least thinner having that big massive seven foot two guy almost out there makes a big difference and his activity on the boards is, is always it's a constant so it doesn't matter uh if he's having a bad game he's still going to be active there and that is a dimension of the bulls game that has been severely lacking for for several years now so i don't mind Andre drummond i think he's fine I probably underestimated him a little bit, but he still does tick me off because his his offense in the uh, five foot less range sometimes is just uh, is just dreadful to watch for me. But you know, it is what it is. You take the good with the bad sometimes with uh, with players. So there it is. But I think that's gonna do it for us, guys. That is our episode. Uh, unless you had anything else you want to say, look like you might have had something. Something you want to talk about? Let's go. Go for no. it. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> It's it's dark right now for Bulls fans, but it has yeah. been again the one of the worst schedules in the league. It is getting ready to yeah. lighten up, and we should have brighter days ahead. Yeah, it's tough to keep the faith, but I think it will be uh, better better results in the next you know month or so than it has been. So, uh, but anyways, I am Keith. You can find me on Twitter at, at @bsbp Keith and Trey. Where can the good people find you? On Twitter at final finally. And we are going to try to go back to give you guys weekly content here. I apologize about that. That was on me. Uh, I was just sick, and then all life just happened. So, But we will get back to that. Do leave us a review, a five-star review. Subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh, you know, We'll get this content straight to your ears, some very knowledgeable Bulls content. Uh, we do watch you know, most of the games, if not every game. So uh, stick with us. We're going to be breaking this down for you. So, until then, 